This is September 8th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a fabulous week. Uh, this week on Bruins Beat, uh, we are discussing Bruins exit interviews. Woo! Usually uh, a very depressing time because usually it's we're doing exit interviews, then we enter into a long summer of nothing. Now we're entering into a fall of potentially nothing. Um, the season's supposed to start November 17th, at least for training camp. It's a tentative start, which is always a uh, very bad sign when it says tentative because it's probably not going to be when it starts. Um, and they're supposed to end a game. supposed to start December 1st. Whatever it is, um, we really don't know what this offseason holds, except for the fact that it's probably going to be pretty freaking crazy. Uh, and if, if the A's exit interviews have showed you anything, it is that it is going to be freaking crazy. Um, and so Connor Ryan from Boston Sports Journal and I discussed all the exit interviews, especially Tory Krug, because I think he's done here. But but I've had a change of heart on Tory Krug re-signing in Boston. So you'll get a different perspective, which I think you'll you'll you might come around to. You might give me crap for it. You might say, Evan, you're insane. But I think uh, it's something different, and I think it's something you're going to have to get used to because it's going to ha- probably happen. Uh, and then we just get into some other team-related things. Before we get into the conversation, the wait is finally over. And no, not for the Brewersby conversation. That'll be in a second. But football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, okay? They're the best in the biz, Naz. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures today. You can pause this podcast and go do it right now. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. I am very excited for football season because it, it's, again, it makes you feel a little more normal. I don't care if there's 20 fans in the stands. I don't care if there's nobody. Give me football. I, I'm very excited for that. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Nothing much, man. What's going on with you? Having a beautiful Labor Day, full full Labor Day. We were talking about this just before we came on. It's uh, not like your typical Labor Day. College classes are still in the schedule. You, uh, your high school classes today, they still are they still happening? Yeah, you know, it's online only. It's a it's a pain in the ass algebra. You know, I'm not. Yeah. Hopefully, I go into journalism further on. You know, in my life. So hopefully, this is a thing of the past with algebra. But you know, we'll, we'll get through it. Yeah, I hope I hope you, if you ever need help with algebra, you let me know. I, I I got you on some of the uh some of the X, Y, and Z type stuff. It's funny, I haven't done math in so long. So long. Why why do you think why do you think we majored in, in journalism, man? <laughs> like thank God. That's part of it. That's the thing, like it, it's funny, I wish I could go back and tell my middle school and high school self when I was, you know, just struggling through math classes and staying up until like, you know, 1am studying for, you know, a, an algebra or geometry test. Like, Hey buddy, it's going to be okay. You're, you're, you're never going to do this anyways. Just yeah. get, the, get the gentleman's B and move on. From mm-hmm. it. Um, 
But obviously, that's sort of the fun of being a kid. You don't know what you're going to go into, but look at us. Uh, so, Bruins, a lot of stuff. Uh, exit interviews were last week. I think Sweeney is going to go at some point this week. I would assume Neely as well. Uh, there was a lot to take away. Uh, first of all, it was fun because all the interviews were like on one day. So there were two days, just a marathon one after the other, after the other, after the other, um, from, you know, DeBrus to Krejci to Pasternak. Uh, David Krejci bringing up that, uh, on Friday that he was angry at reporters, uh, for not asking him questions after the game. That's part of why he gave such a, uh, depressing answer about the organization was obviously because he was mad about asking not us not asking him questions how did we not know i know i really dropped the ball there i can't tell if that's just like i think i think that's the classic uh very dry sense of humor from david crazy which is like also hard to land over a zoom call especially and it's him yeah exactly yeah Yeah, exactly yeah the funny thing was there was a moment this year at a practice i think it was uh, like in January, might have been. Um, we walked in the locker room back in the day. Remember those times? That's a we long walked time in. Ago. Yeah, we walked in, and uh, there was Char and Marshawn, and everyone mm-hmm. went to Marshawn, and me and like three <laughs> other reporters went to Chara. Mm-hmm. Chara immediately got really angry about like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I he goes for each of us. He lets us each ask a question because he he met. He goes, okay, you four, you can ask all the questions. So we just ask questions. A reporter comes up who was not in the initial scrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chara looks at him and just says, nope, and just walks away. <laughs> like, just yeah. goodbye. So it is a thing. I think players do get, like, very self-conscious when there's mm-hmm. two guys available and no one's talking to them, especially if they're yeah. a veteran. Like, if you're mm-hmm. Carson Kuhlman and you're going at the same time as Brad Marchand. Right. You know, you know you're lucky to get asked a question, but, Marsh, uh, but you know, Chara and Marchand, Chara's a bit of a veteran. So – there were lots of exit interviews. Uh, what stood out to me was the Tory Crew stuff. Obviously, you know, it's been a few days to process this. Um, I've always been a big re-signed Tory Crew guy. Uh, I've always been in that camp throughout the season. I was totally for it, you know, uh, especially before COVID when the cap was going to probably go up. You know, hey, let's hey, – the Bruins have the, 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 the cap space. You know, re-sign the guy. He's a leader. He's dy- dynamic on the offensive side of things. All that fun stuff. But – I've been kind of getting a change of feeling lately. And this isn't even just from the comments made this past week. But, you know, Bruin Stats tweeted out some stuff about how Krug really isn't potent five-on-five. Five. Most of his offensive – most of his face-offs from the offensive zone. He's somewhat sheltered. Um, the Bruins don't have a lot of space. You also saw in the postseason, they didn't – you know, Krug was good, not great, especially five-on-five. Five. I think he was on the ice for the most five-on-five five goals allowed. Mm. You also look at their depth. You look at, you know, defensively, they weren't super great. Maybe it is time to move on from Tory Krug. Maybe it's not the right – I don't – at this moment, I don't think it's a stupid thing to move on and invest that money in other places, not just one place. Yeah, no. I mean, I am think I'm kind of in the same boat now. Of, you know, if we're looking back at February when you think the one, everything was – normal and the fact that you know the cap was supposed to jump up anywhere from i think like 84 to 88.2 million so i mean even if that's in between you know the bruins are looking pretty good especially the fact that they cut all that you know extra cap with david backus you know moving most of his money off the books you saved about a million with um you know the heinen richie trade which 
that would have been at least one caveat of the way that trade kind of mapped out. Um, and then even like, I think, you know, they're getting Bolesky's deferred money off the books. They were getting like the final hit of uh Seidenberg's buyout off the books. Like they were looking pretty good. Like they could have legitimately added like another piece or two just through free agency without really having to take a long look at a guy like Krug, who is kind of the biggest, you know, uh, you know, shoot a drop this off season. But now you look at it, you know, they're, they're dealing with that. You look at the way this window of this team is like, all right, if Krug walks, yeah, there's some things you have to address, right? Like obviously in the locker room, he's a key, a key piece on that team um, as kind of that bridge in between, you know, that veteran core and like this, you know, growing pool of younger players like McAvoy and, uh, you know, Grizzly, DeBrusque, you know, all those guys. Like he, he's very key in that room as being kind of that, you know, the, the first guy you go and talk to, you know, I think he mentioned once that, you know, it's sometimes these rookies or younger guys come in like, all right, do I go up to Sedano Chara after no media asked him a question, you know, and ask him something? Or do I talk to like Tory Krug, who's 28, 29, you know, a little bit easier to connect to a kind of a guy like that who still has been in the league for a long time. So, you know, losing him in that regard, you know, is, is a hit. Um, still, but I mean, you still got that franchise kind of those cornerstones in that dressing room. You still got, you know, guys like Coyle and Corrali and Wagner is kind of that new kind of bridge, you know, in between those kind of groups. Um, but I think you look at the other areas of, you know, where you can improve and where you can kind of keep moving on without crew. Like I think the power play, you're still going to have a pretty, solid, you know, you know, good, probably great power play, right? You know, where you still got those pieces up front. You put in Matt Grizzlick, um, in that role who may not be as dynamic, but you know, even if he kind of keeps it simple there and he's just, you know, on the blue line, you know, recovering pucks, getting to loose pucks, sending them back, you know, down to Marchand or, or Bergeron or something like that. Um, you know, he's a guy who also has improved in his shot quite a bit. So, you know, he's not like he's not gonna be a threat from, you know, the high slot, you know, firing shots. Um, I think, you know, you can still kind of still draw without him. I think the biggest challenge is just finding a, you know, a top four guy that can at least log, you know, 20 minutes, you know, uh, and at least give you something like, as you said, I think, you know, five on five play, which is where they really have to improve. Krug really wasn't as dynamic as, you know, um, you know, clearly on, not as much on the power play, but you just need a guy like Krug who can, you know, play 20 minutes capably because I don't think you can go into next year expecting, you know, oh, we'll just put in John Moore or something like that. We'll put in, uh, you know, maybe Erho Vakaninen's ready, which doesn't seem like he oh, is. Oh, Erho, get in the lineup. I mean, yeah. you're right. You're right. And it's funny. You mentioned the the, the power play with Grizzlick, uh compared to Krug. Now, granted, uh, five on five, uh, Bruin Stats tweeted this. Five, uh, power play, Grizzlick and Pasta, only, again, 72 minutes, time on ice. Goals for over 60 of 12.3. Uh, Krug, and pa- uh, Krug and Pasta shot without Grizzlick, obviously a lot more time. Goals for of 10 point, uh, goals for over 60 of 10.3. So, to me, you add all those in. You also add in the fact that Krug's contract is not going to be, like, four years again. They're not going to get away with giving this guy another four-year deal. This guy wants to cash in, and he's right. He should cash in. I I think Krug absolutely 100% deserves a long-term deal. I just don't think it's in the Bruins' best interest to do that or to be that team. I think that's for a team like the Red Wings. I think that's going to be the team that ultimately scoops them up. But you're going to have that deal for, eight, you know, let's say seven or eight years. 
get mm-hmm. that deal for, for that amount of time. As, as we're seeing now, and a big topic, obviously, is this veteran core. Your Krejci's, your Bergeron's, your, your Marshawn's, your Chara's, your Rask's don't have a lot of time left. We thought Chara was done. Now we, I guess he isn't. Yes. But you, 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 know, you, don't have, you have a limited window. I would say about maybe two, potentially three years with Bergeron Krejci, at least mm-hmm. as your centerman. After that, what is your future? You know, we'll get later in the show, we'll get to the younger guys sort of hitting their, you know, when they're going to kind of start to come through. But if you're, if you're rebuilding or retooling in four to five years and you still have an eight year, $8 million deal from Tory Krug on your, on your contract, on your, on your books, who's 34, 35 years old. I mean, you're not going to want that. Like that, we're going to look back and go, especially if they don't win a cup. Like if they, let's say they resign him to an eight year, $8 million deal. Mm-hmm. And they don't win the cup with him. Yeah. Then it's like, well, this was a bust. What was the point of this? Right. So, and it already isn't looking like they're going to be winning the cup next year or the year after. They'll contend, but it's hard to sit here and say, you know, they'll definitely do it unless they take Krug's money and retool. So again, you could, I, you know, I, I was looking at, granted, I'm not an expert on these free agent defensemen, but someone like TJ Brody out in Calgary or, or Sammy Botman is a good mm-hmm. option as well. Brendan Dillon. Um, yeah. You know, you could also take some money, two, three million dollars, put it in the bottom six, find a good solid third line left winger for Charlie Coyle, or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe this is kind of a crazy idea. Mm-hmm. Find someone who fits better with David Krejci. Wow, so, really? Wouldn't that be that crazy? A bold strategy, Evan. There's the most bold, but so, uh, and Kasha might fit there. I mean, who knows? Ka- watch Kasha come back next year and score like 40 goals. And we'll be like, oh my God, look at, look at what the Bruins were missing last year. Yeah. But I, I do think that it is – and I think you're seeing a shift uh, among Bruins fans and among Bruins media because I think we all were on the re-signatory crew train. And then, I mean, again, I think I said this to you before, the poor guy, you know, always one-year deal, one-year deal, four-year deal. Yes. His payday comes around and the league decides to do a flat cap. So I think he'll still get it. I think he'll be with the Red Wings. But would have been nice to see him stay in Boston. Definitely one of the better players to cover. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, def- definitely one of the more fun, you know, talks and just a good, Tory Krug's a good guy. Yeah. No, I mean, like he's, you know, whatever he gets in, in free agency, you know, whether it be here or anywhere else would be kind of well-deserved for, again, as you said, a guy who, you know, comes in with a chip on his shoulder as an undrafted free agent, you know, excels, you know, in his role, you know, gets through Providence because the Bruins are so cash strapped, you know, they can't only, only offer him a one year deal and sign him to another one year deal. And then like finally his payday. And it's kind of like this bridge four year, 5.25 million when I'm sure like ideally he'd want to be re-upped long-term. So I think that's going to be the biggest issue with the Bruins. not really the, the cap hit per year. Like they can still, Tool, retool some things if they wanted to get him under the cap, especially if he takes, you know, a, a discount of, you know, seven, seven and a half or something like that. But I think it's more of less the term, right? Because the Bruins probably would be like, we'll, we'll give you, you know, seven, seven and a half, but, you know, it's a four-year deal or something like that. And, you know, a guy like him who's been, you know, going with those kind of, uh, you know, bad term contracts for, for years now, like it's time for him to, you know, deservedly get that you know, seven, eight year deal. Like he's, he's, he's earned it. Like that dude's been one of the best, you know, offensive defense in the league for years now. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and, and he's also, he has a family man. He's got a young daughter, a wife, 
just a good guy. Mm-hmm. And it's time for him to get paid. I mean, I, I'm totally with him on that. I just don't think it'll be the Bruins that do it. And I don't think they should either, as we've said for the past uh, few minutes. So another exit interview takeaway. We'll kind of hit on this quickly because um, I think obviously it, it happened on Thursday. We're recording this Monday. This will be out Tuesday. Uh, Chara wants to stay. Says, don't know why that question was asked to me five minutes after. I didn't really feel like answering it then, um, even though Doc Emmerich pretty much eulogized him <laughs> after the game. I think that was kind of what, what set the stage. Like, I don't think – I think we were all kind of like maybe it's his last game. And then Emmerich just kind of goes on this diatribe of like, you know, mm-hmm. well, if you give me one minute uh, yeah. and just, you know, goes off about Chara. Uh, but he's probably going to stay. I know we both think this. Keep him. Sign him. Yeah. What is there? What, what's the downside? What's the downside to this? And what's the other options? You have no other options. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's the biggest key is just – being realistic of one, what his expectations for his role would be next year if you bring him back, and two, just what are your options? And that's because, like, let's say Tory Krug walks, and you know Chara wants to come back on a one-year, one point five million, you know, dollar contract, and you say no for some reason. Like, all right, well, who who do you rolling out there then? Like, all right, you bump up Grizzly next to McAvoy, which you know I think is an intriguing pairing, but then who else do you rolling out there? Like, you know. Uh, it's you know, is John Moore going to be your second pairing guy? Is he the guy you want to be playing twenty plus minutes a night? You know, is Hell it? Yeah, is it? You know, everyone I think always is quick to point to Vakanainen, but again, like maybe he comes back and has a strong training camp, but it seems like his kind of development is either kind of stalled or you know it's taken a little bit of a step back over the last you know year or so. Um. You know, Jacob Zaboro is a guy who I think obviously gets kind of ripped on just in terms of, you know, his draft status, but it seems like he's a guy who maybe has turned a corner. Like Jay Leach mentioned back in May when we talked to him that he thought he was the best defenseman down the stretch. And I think Zaboro even was like maybe the last defenseman cut during training camp. Like I feel like he outplayed back yeah. then during that stretch. So, um, but again, even if maybe he's ready to make that breakthrough, if next year's the year you want to go for it, do you want to roll out like a Galaxy Borel who, you know, is a late bloomer and you don't really know what you get from him yet? And again, like, you're, you know, you're going to hear this whole offseason about how the Bruins, you know, I mean, it's all different, you know, ways of thinking, but you're going to hear, like, they got to get tougher. They got to get someone who's, you know, bigger or something like that. All right, well, rolling out Rakanainen and Zaboral who are, like, what, maybe six feet, six six one, like, Zaboral's like actually 6'2". I thought he was way shorter. Wow. He's 6'2". But I mean, he's also, I think, when you watch him play, he's not like a, a guy known for being like a physical kind of guy, right? Like, No, no, um, no, no. So, you know, are, are those going to be your options there? It's like, all right, well, you could make things somewhat easier for yourself because you're already going to be busy dealing with hopefully adding a guy to the top six or, you know, a guy on the third line. You're going to have to find a replacement for Krug, a guy like that who's logs those kind of minutes. Like, why don't you make things easier for yourself and get bring back Chara on a one-year deal with, like, little risk as a third-pairing guy? Like, you put him in a, a minimized role, he's probably going to really help you out there, especially the fact that he's not going to cost you that much against the cap. Yeah, Connor, you know what they're going to do? They're going to put uh, Zach Senishin on Krejci's right side, so he plays with Jake DeBrusque, and they're going to put Jacob Zbarl on the second pairing, and then 
2015, Don Sweeney's going to be proven right again. 2015 draft was actually a huge success. I think they're going to bring back Jacob Francesca Carlson, and I think he could be an intriguing uh, guy if you switch him on the blue line. They might even bring back Zach Hamill and see what they got in him on for the fourth line. I, no. I, can't, even, I can't even make a Zach Hamill joke. That one was so bad. <laughs> yeah, the Zach Hamill one, uh, that was so long ago. At least that wasn't Sweeney, but... Um, We've beat this like a dead horse. We have beat this into submission. But I will say this. This offseason, if if there's ever been an offseason that proves why the 2015 draft was a spectacular miss, it is this one. Because it is this one. Because you have Jake DeBrusque, who has been extremely inconsistent, been but out of the three has been by far the best. Oh, yeah. Like DeBrusque has been fine. I mean, he's just inconsistent. But that pales in comparison to your two other problems uh, from that uh, those three first-round picks. If you hit on one of those others, you might have a top six right winger. If you hit on one of those others, you might have a top four or top two defenseman. Like, it is incredible to me that that was sort of the moment to do that. And then back at – what draft was back at night in? 2017? Or 17. Yeah, sixteen was McAvoy. Yeah. So seventeen was Vakanayan. So you have that. You have that. So you have five first round picks in three years, and you hit on two of them. Mm-hmm. That is horrendous. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. And so you're seeing what happens. I remember I had a scout once tell me that when a team does bad drafting, you can or teams you teams that are bad, you can go back five years and look at their drafts and see if they were good or bad. And typically they're bad. Yep. And you're starting to see that with the Bruins. They're, they're holding on to the it's – like, it's like a team that peaked in high school. Mm-hmm. It's like they're, they're holding on to those memories, those older guys. They're, come on, one more run. We're just one more run. And it would be so much easier if, they, if those draft picks were hit on. Now, I know we, beat, we talk about this all the time, and we will never stop talking about this. We will always talk about this. But it's a real thing. It's a legit – thing and it's you're seeing it now if, if there's ever been a moment when you're seeing it now Sweeney's done a lot of good things you know Coyle um a lot of those fourth line signings have been great Halak like he's been great with a lot of things but that draft and again it was his first one so it's tough to like you know he kind of gets thrown in there um and you know they trade Lucci to trade Dougie Hamilton Dougie but it, it's still I I just uh I, I look at that draft and I think man what could have been so um we briefly mentioned it, but I think this is huge for Grizzly and McAvoy um, in their own rights. You have Grizzly, who potentially could be seeing top power play minutes. You have McAvoy, who could also see some top power play minutes. You have McAvoy potentially playing without Chara and playing with Grizzly on the top pairing, which would open. I mean, we see when they're out there. I mean, they're basically Fluto Shizawa wrote this. They're racing each other up the ice, which is great to see. You don't see that with McAvoy when he's with Chara. You saw them at BU together. Mm-hmm. Granted, that was, you know, 100 years ago now. Thanks, You're old. I really, really appreciate it. But what, what's in store with them? What's going to happen? I mean, I think you look at, you know, we've viewed McAvoy for years now as kind of that next guy up, the guy who's going to be your franchise defenseman. And I think next year is going to be his biggest opportunity to kind of show, show that. Because um, you've obviously seen it in flashes. And I think a guy like McAvoy, you know, 
feels like, especially in his first few years, you would see, you know, a game where he's obviously still kind of, uh, you know, rounding out his overall game, but you'd see a game every once in a while where he just takes over. We're like, oh man, like this is the guy you could get, you know, in a couple of years from now, that, that'd be like his, you know, his regular kind of game. Um, and I think, you know, you see when he's really locked in, like I, I point to that game five against Tampa. I mean, he gets knocked, knocked out of the game, comes back and like that overtime I and mean, he was everywhere. Like he was, you know, pushing up the ice, like he was still being responsible, you know, in Boston's own zone. Like he was just doing a little bit of everything. And I think that shows you when he's given another, you know, defensive partner, like Grizzlick, who is also, you know, quick on his skates, can, can move the puck. Um, you know, they're both really good in transition, but Grizzlick, especially as kind of that first pass guy out to start the breakout, like, um, you know, those, those guys can be really dynamic together. And I think, especially where they might be given a little bit more leeway to work in the offensive zone. I think that's going to be key because as Cassidy kind of mentioned when he talked to us on Wednesday, um, they need more five and five offense. And a lot of that, you know, it's not just the forwards. Like they also need defensemen to get more involved or at the very least just, you know, increase their shot volumes. Like how many of those goals from Tampa during this past series were deflections or, you know, tips or rebounds from, you know, shots from the high slot of the point, like the Bruins need more of that. And I think, you know, you get McAvoy to shoot more, which has kind of been the one issue with him over the last couple of years. Um, Grizzly, as much as every time I think Grizzly scores a goal, he always mentions post game that like his, his shot's not good, but like his shot has gotten a lot better since like, you know, especially once he first arrives. Um, so I think, you know, those guys, you put them together at five on five, I think on the power play of Krug gone, you know, I, would imagine that Grizzly gets the first crack at that out the top power play unit. So, um, and you know, again, McAvoy, you give him more minutes, you know, maybe who knows what Cassidy does. Like maybe he decides to be more conservative and balance it out and puts, you know, two defensemen on the top power play unit and try that, or they could also just overload again. And, you know, it's the power play we saw during the postseason where it's, you add Krejci up there and kind of go all in like, there's an opportunity for both those guys to one, get more minutes, get more, you know, offensive zone time, especially in five on five. And if, you know, you're on the power play, like if Grizzlick's power play one, uh, you know, quarterback, that guy could add another 10, 15 points to his point total, you know, the way that power play operates just from secondary, you know, secondary assists, you know, just feeding the puck back in and letting those guys go to work. So I think it's going to be a big opportunity for both those guys. And again, it's a different look. And as much as, you know, people say the birds need to get bigger, I think if you add, you know, as I think you mentioned a few guys, but like a Brennan Dillon or <clears throat> Joel Edmondson or one of those guys um, as kind of a, a bigger option down there and you roll with that top pairing, they may not be the biggest, but they could be probably one of the more dynamic top pairings in the league. Um, it gives you a different wrinkle to to your team, how you, you know, go about five and five offense. And again, these are the guys you want to invest in going forward. You know, you have to build that next kind of, uh, you know, wave of talent. And I think you roll with guys like, you know, McAvoy and Grizzly. You can, you know, I think the potential is there for them to be a, uh, a modern day, uh, you know, top pairing, you know, group, especially in kind of today's NHL. Yeah. And I also think McAvoy should get a shot at power play one. I've always liked him uh, on the power play. Also, I think Cassie's going to switch. I think he's, I think that's going to be a work in progress all year. Um, to sort of find what works with those two guys and what works with the power play. Uh, so I think it's big for both of them. I think you're going to see jumps in points for both of them, certainly. I think you're going to see 
because uh, McAvoy was their best defenseman in the postseason. I don't think that's even really disputed. Um, I, I don't think there's anybody else who even really came close. Mm. Uh, it feels like at times. Uh, so my last topic I want to get to, and I actually mentioned it with the 2015 draft. When will Jake DeBrusque figure it out? When will Jake DeBrusque, because he said, you know, he mentioned the other day, uh, there were odd ups and downs. He still, I think he said he was one goal off 20 goals. So he did have that. But I look at DeBrusque's game, and I just feel there's more. I feel there's more, especially working with a guy like Krejci. You know, there's more to it. And I just don't think it's there yet. And I feel like every year we say this. Now, granted, he's only been here for three years. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this guy has been here for six and we're going, when is this guy going to cash in? He's been here for three, but he's entering a time in which the Bruins are really going to start to rely on him even more. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of room for him anymore to get demoted to the third parent, to the third line or, you know, to get benched or to get healthy scratched. He's got to figure it out at some point. And I think this upcoming year is really his test uh, and sort of his, and especially with the contract coming up, you know, I mean, if let's the past three years, let's say he's, you know, 30 goal score, you hand him a long-term deal or at least six oh, years, yes. you know, in the 30 million range, he gets 5 million a year. I don't think he gets above three and a half. Now I know Hags was suggesting he was going to get six, I was like, what? Yeah, he's not getting that. No, like, that's I mean, not again, happening. that was one too where his agent said that. And like, listen, that's his yes, that's right, job. That's like right, his agent's right. one that's who's right. pumping his tires. So, but uh, he's, not yes. getting, he's not getting six. But so that's why when I see, you know, DeBrusque, it's like, I think his, his upcoming contract, what they give him as an RFA is really going to be a prove me deal. You know, I think they're going to give him two to three years, three, three and a half and say, look, you got to go out there and prove that you're worth five, six, top six money. When does he figure it out? Well, I think for the Bruins, you're hoping it's next year. And again, it's not even the, you know, the biggest thing is obviously just the offensive generation of how kind of inconsistent it is because he'll go on a stretch where he, you know, has, you know, one primary assist and no goals for nine games and all of a sudden then he buries five goals in like three games, right? So that's kind of the biggest issue because when he's, capitalizing on those chances. I mean, you see how potent that second line can become, right? Just having a guy like that. But I also think it just for him, it's just the overall kind of performance of, you know, in terms of the, that inconsistency. Cause you know, I kind of look at a guy like Andre Kasha obviously ran out of gas kind of, especially in that game five. Like I think he was, he probably played his worst game in that game five. I mean, he was on the frigging fourth line to end that game. But I think you saw, especially, you know, in that Carolina series and maybe in game one against Tampa, even if he wasn't burying his chances, like that guy was buzzing around the net, right? Like he was still winning puck battles. He was generating grade A shots, you know, uh, putting himself in a, a spot for a guy like Krejci to find him and get a, a good shot off. And it seems like when, you know, DeBrusque is in kind of one of those funks that he has, like it's sometimes you, you kind of don't even notice him in the game, right? Like it's not like it's a, he's – you know, a lack of effort. He's not doing anything out there. It just seems like he's not impacting the game in some positive way. I think for the Bruins, you just need something like that. Like, again, look at that, that third line of, you know, Coyle, Bjork and Sidney in game five. Like they didn't, they didn't score, but like you notice them, right? Like they were extended ozone time. They were recovering pucks doing all those kind of things. Um, so I think, you know, you, I think you just need more of that from the at the very least. Cause if you just bring that, kind of game consistently 
you know, you extend ozone time, you, you're paired with a guy like Krejci and next year, you know, maybe it's Kasha again and he starts bearing those chances or they go get another legitimate top six guy. Like, you know, he's got the pieces around him that he should be a guy who consistently scores 25. You know, he, I mean, he only scored 30, you know, he would have scored 30 last year if, he, you know, he just had a little bit of a, a longer, you know, hot streak or he started a little bit stronger. So um, I think you just need that kind of, consistent performance for him where is he's at least, you know, win puck battles and extending ozone time and those kind of things, because you, you need a guy who you can at least know what you're going to get most nights, right? Cause you just can't have, you know, some of these stretches there of five plus games where he's kind of a non-factor, especially now where, you know, these, these other veterans are getting older. You need a guy with fresh legs like DeBrusque to start, um, you know, being a more consistent presence, especially in a, a top six role where the Bruins need some consistent guys next to Krejci. That's it. It's consistency. You just need that consistency um, and not the streakiness. And Cassio always mentions it, you know, he's a streaky guy, you know, maybe he's getting hot now. And it's always kind of playing the maybe game with him. And I feel like this upcoming season, as you said, is sort of going to be his big test uh, and sort of really figure out where he is, uh, at least in his development, what his future is with the Bruins, because they're not going to give him a ton of money if he's not going to uh, produce well, especially next to a guy like Krejci, you know, uh, you're playing with David Krejci uh, and Cre- you know, and you hope that this isn't, you know, that DeBrusque, we haven't seen the best of DeBrusque just because he's playing next to Krejci, but I think there's a lot more to give. Um, and I think we'll probably see that this coming year. Connor, thank you for joining as always. Is there anything you'd like to plug before I let you go? Yeah. I mean, I think as you said, we should have some interesting zoom calls this week with, uh, you know, Don Sweeney, hopefully and Neely and a lot of, I think interviews that will get, yeah, we'll see. Um, but a lot of interviews, I think that should shed some light on, you know, maybe setting expectations or the general outlook of how they're kind of viewing what should be a pretty key off season for this group in terms of determining whether, you know, how many more cracks of the cup they have and, you know, how they kind of plan for the future. Cause, um, they need to make some big moves. I think this off season just to retool on the fly. Um, so, you know, we'll have a whole bunch of breakdowns on what to expect this off season. Um, you know, we've, I think every single day we're going to have a, a different news story out or just breaking down maybe a player or a different, you know, trade target, free agency, all those kind of things. So follow along at, uh, Boston Sports Journal, subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Do that. Go there. Do all those things. Connor, as always, thank you so much for joining. And for CLMS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You, Bruce Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. 